0: Welcome to Rhythm of Previews, where we check out the preview chapters of Rhythm of War, the fourth Stormlight Archive novel. I am Danielle with The Seventeenth Shard.
1: And I'm Hi.
0: Hello. <laughs> oh, so just as a note to people who prefer audiobooks, um, just in case you weren't aware, Brandon Sanderson has been uploading the audio chapters onto his YouTube channel. If you've been waiting for the audiobook to start reading, you can join in the discussion with us leading up to release day. Check it out.
1: As a note, maybe we should point out that they did upload all chapters already, so you can check out all of them. Because they initially said they'd do them each day, one chapter until they caught up, but I guess they decided to just dump them all. Oh.
0: Honestly. I didn't realize yeah. that either. <laughs> so, as always, rhythm of war spoilers ahead. There's a little bit of warbreaker discussion in the annotations. Speaking of which, which annotations did we have for chapter fifteen?
1: So, Brennan Pendy was really excited for us to finally get to uh, to get to this chapter. Uh, like the conversation with Relaine was really interesting to him, and he wanted us to read it because it. Um, and like what Ray, Relaine does with like the gemstones and the farming, because um, he wanted to us to finally f- find some sort of behind-the-scenes stuff of how the listeners managed to survive on the Shattered Plains. And he obviously also enjoyed writing a fight using Awakening again in this chapter. Like it's been, I guess uh, we used use some Awakening in, in um, Oathbringer, but we didn't really see her use it for the fight. So that's, uh, yeah, I, I can imagine that Brandon really liked that Doing going back to that story a little with um, uh, the magic system. And, uh, but uh, what Brandon has said before about the Cosmic crossovers, like where he's where like, yeah, okay. He's feeling confident that we can finally or uh, slowly start leaking more stuff in a way, or like start getting more crossovers. He doesn't think that Vesha and or oh, Sahel doing these um doing Awakening here is really that much of a crossover because to the ever or to the reader who hasn't read Warbreaker or the rest of the Cosmere, it can basically be just this mysterious guy who can do awesome stuff and ran compared it to Gandalf in Lord of the Rings because like we have the mystical magician in a way who um, can do these fantastical things and nobody really understand or like in world they don't really understand what he's doing. But unfortunately this also was the last really cost aware chapter uh, in the previews at least. And Bren did say that we will get some more but much later in the book. So you have to wait for it to be released and actually read them then.
0: <laughs> it seems really surprising to me because you would think that like Shallan's whole arc would be mm-hmm. a little more Cosmere-centric. So yeah. but, maybe uh, she just I, kind of brushes it off. I don't know. Mm-hmm.
1: Or maybe like the journey in Shades uh, like, um, will take a w- whole of part two or something, and then mm-hmm. we won't get Shallan few points up until part th- four or something. I could imagine mm-hmm. he, like, he split it in some way as well. But yeah, regarding the fight uh, in general that... Uh, Vesha and Kaladin had uh, last time. We were wondering mm-hmm. ourselves whether, like he or Vesha, whether he had access to mental command or like some weird other ability. But apparently, um, he just or we can just assume that Vesha whispered the commands, and so Kaladin wouldn't be have been able to hear them. And yeah, so that's good to know that. He is like just and, um, suppressing. Uh, after
0: all breath. of our speculation <laughs> last episode
1: <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> all of our theory crafting no he was just whispering
1: <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I feel like that's sort of uh, epitomizes uh, the seventeenth shower like our queen because it can be a simple explanation, but why have a simple explanation when you can have all these yeah. magical <laughs> things yeah and uh, finally. Brandon said that, like Wesher was saying something like, "Oh, that guy up there in the prison, he also is uh, the same happened to him. Like that, he was dead and was um, reborn, sort of as a cognitive shadow, or yeah, returned." That is an informed guess, is what Brandon said, but uh, uh, Wesher doesn't know a hundred percent because I don't think it's really like um, Seth doesn't ha- doesn't have really other ability. Uh, attributes of a cognitive shadow, I think a researcher just doesn't know quite enough for him to figure it out completely.
0: Yep. That was a lot of uh, annotations and clarification of the last chapter. I think we got a little excited when we read it. And so (laughs) I I think that was for a lot of people, got very Mm -hmm. excited. so. Good to have some clarification.
1: (laughs) Definitely. And I feel like Bren said it in the annotation. You could really read it out of it. Like he really enjoyed writing that chapter too. So
0: yeah. And as we're coming to an end with the rhythm of previews, it makes me really... Feel a little sad because as we're reading *Rhythm of War*, we won't have these chapter by chapter mm-hmm. annotations, and we're not going to have the chapter by chapter discussion and theorizing and stuff like like we are now. So it's a little mm-hmm. bittersweet, but I know I'm going to yeah. like read the whole book that day <laughs> that it comes out. <laughs> yep. Alrighty. Well, let's get into chapter sixteen. So um, our epigraph. Basically says that the fused use a variety of fabrials, and Navani believes that they are accustomed to using fabrial technology due to the speed at which they develop them. And this is how she's concluding her papers. Basically, Mm -hmm.
1: that for one, that makes me wonder, like, what we we have, uh, what is it, three annotations left? So eh, Mm -hmm. not annotations, but epigraphs. So Mm -hmm. what will she be talking about there? it's just like. Will will the lectures continue or will it be something else? That's a little weird, I feel when she says it's the final one. Um, yes. Well,
0: yeah, maybe maybe she is just like this is the first sentence in her last paragraph. <laughs>
1: it could be, yeah, very well. But uh, speaking of the uh, talking about the uh, epigraph itself, I find it a little weird, I guess, that uh, Navani just, or like, how she, does she come to the conclusion that the, singer, uh, the Fuse must have had these fabrials for such a long time? Like, is, does she just think the singers aren't intelligent enough or something to figure out fabrials uh, that quickly? That's
0: yeah, I was really definitely getting a bit of a vibe that she has some kind of bias against them that mm-hmm. they're not able to create them that means that they just already have them yeah. it's kind of a weird way of um assuming how they're coming up with these fabrials because mm-hmm. the fabrials are are she even mentions that they're countermeasures so it doesn't make sense to me why they would automatically have a countermeasure Yeah. In reaction to what they're being, you know, attacked with or whatever. Mm-hmm. So and it's kind of strange. I f-
1: feel like with the uh, Wendy chapter that we had, where the nine talked about, or uh, wanted to know whether the Fabrial that um what's his name,
0: uh, Lesian. Oh
1: yeah. Uh, whether mm-hmm. the Fabrial that uh, Lesian used worked, like that um search binding suppression Fabrial, and I feel like they wouldn't. Uh, they would have known that. If it worked, if they already had the technology, so yeah, mm-hmm. I feel like nobody's just wrong there.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, it's kind of a theme that that it's supposed to be. You know, you have your expectations, and it's completely subverting it. So, um, eh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's good. It's good to have character flaws and things. So
1: <laughs> that is, yeah. But uh, what it did make me wonder this epigraph whether maybe the fuse, like they have. Human um, support, like the Iriali and uh, others, so I wonder whether they—all uh, these creations—are by human antifabrians that have just switched sides or something. So, mm. I feel like we have some stuff to explore there and discover.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, we saw that they have the seamstresses and the tailors mm. and everything, so it kind of follows that they would have artefacts and and ardents under their (laughs) employ. Alrighty. Um, So this chapter is from Navani's point of view. The chapter title is An Unknown Song. Um, So it starts with Navani questioning Seth about the void light um, looking black sphere that um, she recovered. And uh, she asks him as she had several times, to recount the day of Gavilar's assassination. And um, over time, she's trying to pity Seth because she thinks of him as being sick of mind. Um, But she's very uncomfortable there. And her discomfort forces her to leave this kind of jail cell, which actually is kind of like a room that they turned into Mm -hmm. a fake jail cell. (laughs) (laughs) She finds herself up high in the tower and discusses some findings with the Ardents. And she shows that black sphere to a jeweler who's working on a telescope. And she asks the, the Ardent to run some tests and report report back to her. Um, and then Shallan and Adolin, as well as Dalinar and Teravangian, show up. And Mink. So all these different characters from the whole first part. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they show up up there. So Navani... Dalinar, Mink, Shalon, and Adolin go into a private room, and they're going to show Mink some maps that light lightweaves in front of him. <laughs> and that's how it ends.
1: Yep. So let's start <laughs> at the beginning, where we finally um, get some insight of how Voidlight looks. Because mm-hmm. um it's always been like we have had people describe it as like this black violet light, but we never really had some more scientific explanations of what it would look like. And I find it really cool that um Rushu the Ardent is telling Navani that this it is it's like she calls it hyper-violet or something like that. So and um this is based on the concept of Stygian colours mm-hmm. in real life, and that's really cool that Brendan has sort of found a way to put this into the book in a sort of inward way.
0: Yeah, I thought that was really cool, too, because it's a real world phenomenon. Mm -hmm. So you can see these staging colors by looking at an opposite color and then looking at a black surface. So if you want to see what void light looks like, (laughs) you can look at a yellow surface for like a while. I, I tried it this morning for about 30 seconds. And then you look at a black surface and the color that you see, the after image, is called stagian blue. And it's kind of like this blue black color, which is really cool.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really.
0: And it's not I something really- that you can actually replicate with like pigment or anything. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a really neat fantasy element that's actually <laughs> real. <laughs> yeah. And I
1: love how, like, Navani doesn't really believe Ruchu, like, uh, how can there be a color that doesn't really exist and <laughs> like that, and just like Ruchu a lot as well.
0: But then they make a very distinct difference between the void light in that's captured in the gemstones versus this black sphere, because they look the same, they're the same color, but the black sphere apparently, like, kind of ruffles the exterior or something, like the light around it warps around or something. So pretty cool.
1: Yeah, (laughs) but I mean, at least the black sphere is now in the right hand. Or I guess it leaves Navani's hands in this chapter, but uh, it is now in the hands of um, the... Of the Ardens and like the uh, scholars of of Rosha, so I hope mm-hmm. or I expect them to finally figure something out there, and um yeah, it's cool that yeah Navani just finally gets to investigate it a little more,
0: yeah, I really like her chapters in this book so far it's I feel like when I was reading it. I feel like Navani is almost an extension of us, the (laughs) reader, because she's asking all of the questions that we are asking. And so it's a really neat character to follow because she doesn't know things, but she wants to learn. And we are like desperate to learn all of these Mm -hmm. things. So really, really neat chapter with lots of information for the geeks.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And it's also good to... <clears throat> have finally finally have an external viewpoint of how Seth behaves and like how he, mm-hmm. uh, how his um, mental problems I guess manifests outside because like we know he hears these voices and uh, um, is like plagued by them. Having somebody externally see that is really cool to finally get a, some perspective on it. I feel.
0: Yeah, I know. When Nivani was in there, it was all brightly lit yeah. um with with i think it was gemstones that were infused yep. with stormlight um mm-hmm. and but she felt so uncomfortable in there, and it reminded me of how people act around night blood, and yeah. so I was thinking she's thinking that it's it's being in proximity to Seth, but it's actually in my opinion it's actually that she's around nightblood and she's feeling really uncomfortable because she's not like, you know, his definition of evil. Mm-hmm. So,
1: yeah, yeah I, I agree with that because um like Navani says it's how, how about how Seth killed Gavela of course and how um she still just uh, hates him and like Yes, repugnant to him in a way, I guess. In that, um, way in that she feels ill because of that, but the way she describes it, like it, she actually feels um, bad to her stomach there, and that seems to um, yeah agree with how people perceive Nightblood when they are deemed good. Yeah, as you said, it are uh, not evil by him mm-hmm. or by it. So, yeah, and it, it also does, makes think-
0: sense that Navani wants to throw Nightblood into the ocean, which. <laughs> I don't get honestly, but it helps. Like helps me understand why she would want to do that.
1: <laughs> yeah. M- my jaw tra- honestly dropped when I read that they apparently just sank the thriller I nagul the unmade into the ocean. Like, mm-hmm. it, especially Navani, she, she would have been the first person to say, "Oh, maybe we can turn this into a febrile or something like that." So, uh, why did they do that?
0: It's- I know it seems it seems weird because then they can't keep an eye on it. Mm-hmm. And, like, we know from several instances that things can be recovered from the ocean. <laughs> so I don't get it. Like, I really don't. And not only the the fact that Nurgle, whatever, mm-hmm. is, is there, but that's a perfect gemstone, too, right? Yeah. Yeah. So they're yes. losing this really powerful artifact, too. I don't, mm-hmm. it didn't make sense to me. Not at all. Kind of. I but like I guess just, Navani and Dalinar came up with that idea together?
1: Yes, I, I, they at least came up together to um, keep, or like they decided together they would keep uh, Seth alive, which mm. I find is just a cool touch there that Bren especially, like, explicitly said they decide together because we, in the earlier chapters, we sort of saw how Navani really struggled with uh, being recognized and, um, does wants Dalinar to treat her as an equal and not like just command stuff without asking her first. So it's cool that they decide together to keep him alive. I agree.
0: Definitely shows growth on Dalinar's part, where he's oh yeah make, help making decisions, informed decisions with the agreement of the people that he's you know married to and <laughs> the people that he's working <laughs> with for this country. You know.
1: Mm-hmm. What uh, I also found interesting how apparently Delina insisted on keeping Nightblood with Seth here. So mm-hmm. I wonder whether it's just like instinct or something, or like he because Seth, uh, Seth actually seems like a good candidate for holding Nightblood because he doesn't really want to kill anymore. Like he's mm-hmm. uh, haunted by all the people he killed, so like it's relatively safe with him. While with others, they might use Nightblood. It's cool to see. Like, I wonder whether Delena just, I don't know, saw that or whether he has some deeper knowledge because what we've seen so far, he seems to be a little more mysterious in this book in a way because, like, oh, yeah, there's nine types of views and stuff like that. He just apparently just knows stuff now.
0: Yeah. Uh, And I really wanted to know what blood was saying during this whole thing like you know how <laughs> chatty he is oh, yeah. um and poor poor seth who's kind of not all there anymore um mm-hmm. he seems to be forgetting or maybe not forgetting but intentionally not giving all of the information or yeah. something. and so it makes me wonder what their conversation was during this conversation with navani <laughs>
1: <laughs> it um what I also found funny that one there was one line how like uh, they had to convince Seth to finally convince Nightblood not to talk to people as they were to, to, uh, walking by the cell. Mm-hmm. I can just imagine like oh hello, like just try some evil. <laughs>
0: okay. Well, I I guess that's probably a good thing because mm. you never know. It is. You can yep. manipulate people to do. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how Nightblood feels being locked in or well, locked in this cell.
1: I wonder whether Nightbird even really realizes that, because it does have a weird perception of at least time and presumably space as well. So Major thinks you know, doesn't really care, but yet if it notices that they are not really moving or not is not or it's not being put to use, uh, he'll probably react weirdly in some way.
0: Mm-hmm. But we do see how how seth is Mm -hmm. reacting to it he's kind of in a good place almost (laughs) where he's in there you know they gave him everything that he asked for they gave him all the light to i guess let the the voices be a little quieter for him Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah
1: actually like um i wonder whether that uh the fact that he wants to, uh, wants the room to be completely lit without any shadows is all, because in all we sort of had that, that in the shadows, that it's where the voices come from, but I mm-hmm. wonder whether it's maybe also something to do with high and like, uh, his spren in particular, who he doesn't want to talk to him or something like that. So he, because it also reminds me of the fact that he is in fact not truthless and, um, mm-hmm. yeah, so maybe it's something to do with that as well.
0: It's possible. And then he mentions also when he was in Shinovar that the uh, the prophetic death rattles mm-hmm. um, were happening there too, which is kind of interesting to, to yeah. hear.
1: Yeah, so it, I guess it's confirmation that uh, Mölach uh, whatever you, how, however you pronounce it was in Shinovar at some point. So yeah, that's interesting because um we've seen him like uh, or like Terrence is also interested in where he's moving and he's been moving towards the uh, hundred peaks so i think is what they last found out yeah. so yeah want to just how much travelling sort of he did across rosha in or uh, since the desolations.
0: yeah cuz it seemed like that's a, that's a common thing over in Shinovar mm-hmm. cuz they they kind of revere that as prophetic you know words so uh, i wonder how long it was it's been going on there and if it's not going on there now
1: yeah maybe it also was just like they have stories of prophecies or something like that so it was mm-hmm. way in the past or something but definitely wishing we finally had some self flashbacks to Shinova. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> do wait which book is he supposed to be
1: he's supposed to be book five now i think
0: Oh. Because he
1: was supposed to be Oathbringer, I think, and Book Five was supposed to be Delena, but mm-hmm. Brandon decided to switch them around. I think is what happened. Yeah. Hmm.
0: So. So he'll probably have like a a kind of a big part in this if he's oh, yeah. going to be the main flashback for next book. Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, I think Brandon has said that from Seth in this book we will only get one interlude. So. We'll really have to wait for book five, unfortunately, to find anything out. But uh, then hopefully we'll si- finally have some answers to what the are like. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and then we have Navani who is looking out over, what was it called? The Cloud Walk, mm-hmm. I yeah. which I think is such a cool, like I can just <laughs> yeah. picture it in my mind, uh, up really high in the tower, looking over everything with the clouds below you. I think that's so cool. But she's looking down over all the people that are arriving or that are living there now. And she sees all of these different people. She sees all the leffi, She sees the Azish, the Makabaki. And she even sees humans from Amia.
1: <laughs> how, how can... Nevada, or like Britain, just dropped it on us like that. Like
0: how? <laughs> like, <laughs> like for Navani, it's just oh yeah, yeah, those those people are from Amia. Exactly. For us, but, it's like wait, what? <laughs> yeah.
1: How how how? <laughs> how is it possible? Like we, I I mean, it, I guess it makes sense that there are humans on Amia, but so far everything seems to have suggested that there are the either the um, seer Amians or the sleepless. But apparently, mm-hmm. there's just regular humans there as well. And that's going to be confusing.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> for <laughs> sure. It's just Erythiru. Erythiru. <laughs> uh, it reminds me of like the Tower of Babel, you know? Mm-hmm. Except in reverse, because all these people from different cultures and lands are all coming together and living here and creating a society in this huge city tower place. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is, it's really neat. And just seeing it from Navani's eyes looking out over all the people, it really immerses me in this story of, you know, the, the tower, the sleeping tower. I just thought mm-hmm. that was really neat.
1: Yeah. And I feel like uh, it at least gives us some idea of what it would have been like uh, in, like a, when the Silver Kingdoms still were around and so on. Uh, so mm-hmm. it goes to show that like these humans can really come together. And uh, yeah, when they come together, they achieve much greater things. So on a more meta level, that's also really cool.
0: Mm-hmm. And then and- they were doing all of the studies of how the tower is, they're thinking the tower is reacting to the storms, which is yep. really cool. Like the temperature, they say is what it's raising. Yeah, like it's like the- they said five degrees or something.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I know. I think that the five degrees were the was the temperature difference between um, the bottom of the tower and the top. I think. Mm-hmm. But at least um, she said that, or the the uh, ardent who did that math said that the air pressure rises as to, uh, when in preparation for a storm, and the temperature. So I feel like there's like two functions. One is the uh, um, storm preparation, and the other is sort of uh, the heating element, I guess, uh, where mm-hmm. it's just warmer um, the further up you get, which is
0: mm-hmm.
1: really interesting. Yeah. And something else that was interesting about that, Navani said something like um, she felt a little cold because she expected it to feel cold or something like that. So I feel Mm -hmm. like that function probably has something to do with perception as well. Um, But then again, they do have a measurable difference. So there's some physical changes as well.
0: Maybe she's just mentioning that and that she didn't realize it until they said something. Could be, yeah. Yeah, before
1: Navani even talks to the to the uh, scientists, there's something very important that happens because she uh, sees Gavinor and hugs him and talks to him, and that's just ah oh, he's adorable. But you can also notice that like he, if he doesn't become a radiant in the back five uh, books, I don't know who will because like mm-hmm. he has this trauma from. How he was treated in Kalina, and like his father was killed and all that, so
0: how yeah. old is he in this chapter? I think she says he's five. Because like he, I know five. it's been a year since he was yeah. punted across the courtyard <laughs> oh, <yeah>. by <Mowash. laughs>
1: Yeah, I think he's, she says he's five and that he, uh, like all the, um, Arden's and, uh, like the uh, surgeon, or not surgeons, but the doctor says, say he's too small for his size. So, yeah, I guess mm-hmm. his, his, um, I guess his psychological condition also stunted some of his growth or something like that. I feel like mm. that's likely. But cool to see him around it all.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, it's kind of sad because he's he's kind of showing this obsession for revenge for, you know, his father being killed and he's he's wanting to get a sword. He's wanting to learn with Dalinar and Navani's telling him, oh, yeah, maybe, okay. <laughs> but Navani sees that the society and everything is changing. It's not so warlike, like like it originally was, you know, there's men who are reading now and mm-hmm. women are joining the ranks. So it, things are changing. So she, it's almost like she doesn't want him to go that path of, you know, becoming a, a I don't remember what they said when they're 10 years old, they become mm-hmm. some kind of member of the military or something. Yeah.
1: They become like eight or something like that. So mm-hmm. yeah. And- Which is sad.
0: <laughs> 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 like kids. I, uh- kids. <laughs>
1: Mm-hmm. I that makes me wonder whether Navani and Gavala, like how they treated Eloka when he was this young, whether mm-hmm. she sort, sort of saw some of the mistakes as well with this approach where they t- start teaching them the sword as soon as they're able to walk. So I wonder mm-hmm. whether she just like wants to not make the same mistakes maybe. And like she talks about things about how Elucard did become or she saw the potential in him to become a great, a true great king. And, um, but it only was after he sort of, like after his development, like at the beginning of Way of Kings, he wasn't a good king at all. Mm -hmm. But
0: uh, I feel like she's looking back with a little bit of a rose colored glasses at that because (laughs) I didn't. I didn't see that much growth for Elokar. Like, at the very end, yes, he was beginning to turn around, but like, literally at the very end. So, I mean, it is her son. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like, she's just being a mom, what all moms are supposed to do. So,
1: (laughs) yeah, Yeah, definitely at least nice to see that Gavin is doing a little better than he was in the end of Oathbringer. And mm-hmm. did I just say Gavin or is it, give it Kevin
0: Kevin <laughs> Kevin Moore.
1: Yeah. Uh, I hope he we'll see more of him and
0: Oh yeah, even definitely. Better. definitely. Yeah. Especially since I think he'll be what in mid teens mm-hmm. in the back half. So who knows what's gonna happen, of course, yeah. but at that age, like that's the age that Shalon was, you know, when mm-hmm. we first meet her. So It'd be interesting to see a little revenge story come around, oh. assuming certain parties are still alive. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hmm. And then, poor Navani is like, during this whole exchange, she's blaming herself for what Sudan did. Which, I mean, I I get it in grief. Yeah, she's going to be going through all those phases and stuff. But, like, I don't understand how she can blame herself for what some other lady... How would she even have known what was going to happen?
1: Yeah, I feel like that's just generally something that Navani... Tends to do like later on. She also says like, "Oh, um, a good um, patron of the sciences should know when to stop bothering the scientists and stuff like that." And like mm. she's constantly downplaying herself and uh, mm-hmm. d- yet yeah, wants to p- put the blame on herself uh, for stuff that others really did. And while rejecting the praise that others give her like uh, mm-hmm. fourth bridge was her idea, idea but she talks about how all these other artists pulled it off really so i feel like that's just one thing that she just does i guess it's like
0: or maybe it's a relic of her relationship with gavilar mm-hmm. being kind of verbally abused and not treated very well yeah, in that definitely. relationship maybe she's kind of adopted that and um thinks that she's being a nuisance or something when she really isn't she's just being herself
1: <laughs> yeah and a very good herself
0: yes. and then speaking of when she was talking with the ardents and letting them go back to their science and stuff they're making telescopes oh yeah <laughs> which is so cool mm-hmm. And I, I
1: really hope they, they the telescopes are good enough that we maybe might be able to see at least the other planets in some form. Like that, I don't know. They look at Ashen and it's just completely destroyed, and uh, I don't know. That would be super. Or maybe they even see this floating cities or something like that just like very small blobs or something. Like They're wondering, oh, what, what, whatever might that be? That would be really cool. That
0: would be a really powerful telescope.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, not like then.
0: My, I don't know how large the
1: cities end up being on Ashen, but like see like mm-hmm. weird stuff up there.
0: That would be really cool, though, to kind of get a little glimpse at just the different, you know, heavenly bodies oh, yeah. that are around Roshar, and I wonder if this is like. Because you know how Brandon puts something in and then uses it like way later on, um, it makes me wonder like why did he bring attention to this little telescope mm-hmm. fiasco here? Like, what was the reason for that later <laughs> on? You know? <laughs> yeah. Hmm. So
1: that makes me uh, almost a uh, be- uh, belief. I guess that uh, there might be something there with like ashen or Brace that, or maybe even the moons. Figuring out Mm -hmm. out stuff there. But yeah, um, I guess it also gave him an excuse to uh, introduce these lens makers um, Mm -hmm. who previously were jewelers. And how they, I really like how they are inspecting the black sphere here and talking about how it's, um, I guess it's almost a perfect gem, Mm -hmm. the way it's cut. So.
0: Yeah, and apparently it's held on to that void light for 6 years i think navani said and yeah. um it's still going strong so it's i don't know if maybe it actually is a perfect gemstone they just don't have the tools to to really make sure and say a definitive statement about that or something mm-hmm.
1: that that does make me wonder like where did Gavila get that sphere from or like the gemstone mm-hmm. in it because i no, i think it was one Gemstone, it wasn't in a sphere, actually. But I can't quite remember. But like, did the heralds provide it, or does he some have somebody who just casually makes perfect gemstones for him, uh, or did he have anybody
0: like that? Or maybe, maybe there's like a a special person who is very good at cutting <laughs> these gemstones, mm-hmm. and they're <laughs> manufacturing almost perfect gemstones. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And I thought that was really interesting, too. Even, I don't know if it actually means anything, but they said that the the value of that sphere would be more than a normal one because of the mm-hmm. cut of the gemstone inside it, which I thought that was kind of a neat little tidbit. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: I, I guess it also makes me wonder whether they might study it further to figure out maybe how it was cut or how they could achieve um, mm-hmm. better... Um, Yeah, ways of storing stormlight, but in general about the Black Sphere, um, Brandon has said at some point, like in some WAP, that by the end of Oathbringer, we should have figured it out what it is. And I did not know that
0: he said that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I've never felt uh, further away from understanding this Black Sphere, because uh, instead of answering the mysteries, he just dumped more on us here and Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Maybe Navani will hear back from these Ardents and give us some more hints. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm completely in the dark about it. I have no (laughs) idea what it is. (laughs) I'm not going to pretend to know.
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. But the way Relaine, like you talked to Relaine about it, and he said it sort of pulses with a weird rhythm that he doesn't really Mm -hmm. recognize. And rather than, like, he says that White Light wants them or wants him. Make uh, makes him want to draw in the uh, void light and use it. Well, this one is actually like repugnant, and he uh, mm. like he feels, yeah, I don't know, uh, negative energy from it. I guess
0: from the rhythm. It kind of makes me nervous because Navani was saying that she wanted to have a radiant try and mm. <laughs> draw in the void light from that. Yeah, like uh, that's probably not a good idea if we don't know <laughs> what it is. not, can like release some old god or something? <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, I I do wonder whether it might be a fuse that's uh trapped in there. Like it 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 requires a perfect gemstone because otherwise you couldn't contain it or something like that. Hmm. So,
0: well, when Relaine said that it was it was had a different unknown rhythm, that kind of made me feel like maybe it was not from Roshar.
1: Could also be, yeah. Maybe it's ruin light. <laughs> I
0: don't know. God, that'd be terrible.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I feel like if it is a fuse, I feel like this or like with our um, the nine, I worried that the humans figure out how to capture what's fused and. Uh, in general, how Navani, might, where she might be going. I feel like it could be a fuse that's trapped in there, and that's mm-hmm. like sort of the key for them to figure out how to trap them. Uh, I could definitely yeah. see that happening.
0: I wonder if we'll figure it out by the end of the book. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I hope, because otherwise, like that Bob couldn't be further from the truth.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about? Oh,
1: just at the end, when um, they all meet uh, are in the meeting room, and uh, how I really love how much like a father in law, Delennar is acting there. I feel like it's uh, sort of a little like it's uh, he fulfills the stereotype in a way because he still wants to like talk to his son and uh, wants him to be his like the perfect Alethi man and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And Shalan sort of firing back, and I like how Navani is like, they both don't want to obviously claim him for themselves, but they obviously do it.
0: So that's really They're kind cool. of squabbling over him. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I really like though how Navani is approving of how Shalan is letting Adolin kind of become his own person. Because Dalinar's there like he's trying Shalan's trying to turn Adolin into her. <laughs> but no, she's just allowing him to express himself like yep. away from Dalinar's high standards and away from, you know, his expectations of Adolin. So I thought that was nice because mm-hmm. <laughs> Navani yeah. kind of like, you know, going to be his, his stepmom. So she's trying to be a good role model. And <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: uh, I do find three new pairs of boots in a single week, a little excessive. But yeah, it's cool Gold to Gold trimmed boots. <laughs> Gold trimmed boots. <laughs> it's, and I yeah. love how he's
0: like putting it up on a table to show <laughs> people like, look at my boots. <laughs> yeah. It's, I love it's, how it's, boots is like a recurring theme with Shallan yeah. around. <laughs> oh, right, right,
1: it is, yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I find it really cool that Aedon is a high prince and he's putting a different spin on the um, colon... Prints them, I guess. So mm-hmm. that's definitely refreshing to see.
0: But and yeah. then they're showing the maps to mm-hmm. Mink. And um, he's like, Well, uh, you don't have any tables out here or anything. <laughs> and then Shalan's like, No worries. And then she does <laughs> a little hologram thing.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, and also really loved the Mink in this chapter again. Like, please have him in all the chapters. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I know he and Shallan bouncing off each other about like getting out of handcuffs and yeah, escaping yeah. like capture and stuff and she's like teach me and he's like oh, <laughs> I can't teach you you're you're a high high lady or whatever they call her <laughs> she's like uh, yeah. no
1: <laughs> but yeah that's I think that's all about uh, about all from me in this chapter
0: mm-hmm.
1: I guess I'm glad that they don't really trust Teravengian anymore. Like I right. was glad that they don't. But Yeah, yeah he
0: was only in it. this chapter for the tiniest bit. And I think I missed where he went before they all went into that room. Because you saw Dalinar our... and Teravengian, they were talking and then after she does her discussion with the Ardents and everything, they go into the room but Teravengian's not there anymore. I don't know exactly where he went after mm. that.
1: I guess uh, I, I can't remember whether Dalinar and Terran just walked by them or whether they actually stayed mm-hmm. near them. But I guess Terran just went inside again or something like that.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's kind of sad because she mentions how Dalinar and he used to have these long conversations mm-hmm. and they were like friends and now he can't be trusted. So Dalinar still speaks with him, but he's not invited to any of these strategy meetings or anything. So... It makes me wonder what kind of information Terravanian would be passing along too, mm-hmm. yep, if he's not Definitely. you know in the inner circle anymore, what information it, it, can he actually have?
1: It does make me hopeful that they are misleading him a little bit at least, so he reports mm-hmm. false stuff to the fuse because
0: mm-hmm. maybe
1: he does it on his own as well because he doesn't really trust them. but yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Tervanjin is a bit of an yeah unknown element at this point
0: he's slimy yeah i don't like him (laughs) okay so that was chapter 16 (laughs) you can find all of these preview chapters at 9 a.m eastern time on tuesdays they're on tour.com and we'll also let you know on 17thshard.com right at nine o'clock when they come out and also Audiobook chapters are being released on Brandon Sanderson's YouTube channel. They're probably caught up, so you can come and discuss them. If you were waiting for those, you can talk to us on our Discord, on the forums, comments, wherever. Bye.
1: See you next week.